0: Lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. I'd like to speak um, with you this evening on the subject of knowing God's will. But we see here in these verses the fact that we have a shepherd that has purposed and promised to lead us, it says he leads us, he guides us, and he does it for his name's sake. To have sheep that are wandering around not knowing what to do um, is not a a commendation on the shepherd, but that's not the way our shepherd is. For his name's sake, he's purpose to lead us and guide us and so just a a brief few thoughts here on the subject of knowing god's will i have uh, four things here for kind of general headings that um i think are at least uh, a great part of what it means to know god's will and how we know God's will. First of all, we know God's will by the fact that he has given us a new heart and a new mind. We know God's will by thinking. We know God's will by thinking about what God has taught us and is teaching us. We know God's will because he's given us a renewed mind. And we're not talking about knowing God's will just naturally. It is supernatural, but what He's doing in His people is supernatural. And He's given you a new heart and a new mind, or a renewed mind, where we have sanctified thoughts. Now, what what I'm getting at is your mind is very much involved in knowing the will of God. God guides most, most of the time in our lives by rational understanding and application of his written word a rational understanding and application of his written word some some people have talked about a sanctified common sense and that's not too bad of a way of thinking about it It's sanctified because it's 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 your mind that has been renewed and uh caused to latch upon and think upon the truth of God. Um, I think maybe uh, it might be a better way instead of saying sanctified common sense because it's really not that common uh, is uh, sanctified reasoning. A sanctified mind. That's how God guides us. And it's that mind is sanctified by way of a rational understanding and application of His Word. The vast majority of God's will for us is already revealed in His Word. The great majority of God's will for us is revealed in His Word. By His Word in our heart and mind is how He guides us. Now what we're talking about here is an overall picture of basic biblical truth. We're not talking about just picking out some verse as guidance. We're talking about the Bible, the whole Bible, uh, as the thing that guides us. The general tenor of God's Word is what God uses to lead us along the path that He has for us. I, uh, I thought that this quote from John Newton... Was uh, pretty good along this line. He said, The Word of God is not to be used as a lottery. You know, that's where you open and, okay, that's what God wants me to do. Um, the Word of God is not to be used as a lottery, nor is it designed to instruct us by shreds and scraps. A little piece here, a little piece there. That's not the way God guides out of his word. Which detached from their proper places have no determinative import. But it is to furnish us with just principles, right apprehensions to regulate our judgments and affections and thereby to influence the direction of our conduct. Now, I know that was a little wordy, but what he's saying is is what I've been trying to say here as we learn God's word and have it incorporated into our heart and mind the the general tenor of truth shapes our judgments and shapes the way we look at things and therefore it directs our conduct so it's not little shreds and how do you say it shreds and scraps of God's word it's God's overall word that is used uh, to furnish us with just principles and right apprehensions. And those then regulate and direct our conduct. The psalmist says, Thy testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. If you want good counsel, well, there's the place you start right there. Thy testimonies, God's word, God's testimonies. And I thought of this Uh, Today, we, we tend to want to think about God's Word as being like a GPS system. And that's not what it's like. It's like a compass. It points in the direction that we should go. We get those principles down, you see. And God uses that to direct our path. Now, I said a lot of this has to do with the mind and, and thinking. And part of that is just thinking ahead. There's nothing wrong with trying to recognize and determine the ramifications of a particular course of action. It's, it, that's not, you know, we kind of got that I, for us that kind of cut our teeth on the King James Version of the Bible in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, take no thought for tomorrow. Well, that means, you know, you don't think about tomorrow. Well, that's that was a translation thing there that kind of led us in the wrong direction. The New, New American Standard does a lot better. Do not be anxious for tomorrow. See, that's a whole different thing. It's not wrong to think about where this might lead a particular course of action. It is wrong to worry about the things that will come our way. So... Uh, I'm just trying to emphasize that step number one is to think, think with the mind that God gave you. Think with those that new, renewed mind and new heart. Think and keep thinking. Well, that was the first one. Then number two, be willing to examine your motives. Be willing to examine your motives. You know, we're told in Proverbs 28:26, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Now, we have a, a new heart, but I think the, the, that that proverb there is talking about just trusting in yourself, you know, trusting in your own understanding. We're talking about the understanding that God has given us now as new, new believers. That's a whole different thing. Just because we say, you know, I feel good about this or I so-called have peace is not the grounds for confidence that this is really God's will. Well, why is that? Well, because, you know, we need to make sure that we're in a position where we really want to know God's will. In other words, we have to be, for lack of a better way of putting it, we have to be in neutral to really know what God's trying to say to us. Because if we're already determined it, and then say, now I'd like to know God's will, well, that that determination you already made is going to shape what you think God's will is. You need to be in neutral. We have to to, uh, be in a place where God can speak to us. Now, Donald Gray Barnhouse said it this way, I can say from experience that 95% of knowing the will of God consists in being prepared to do it before we know what it is. That means, God, I'm willing to do whatever you show me. That's the same as being in neutral, you see. I'm, I'm willing to do thy will. Thy will be done. Now, nobody could speak on this better than George Mueller, so I wanted to read uh, some of what he said about determining the will of God on a daily basis. Here's what he said he did. I seek at the beginning to get my heart into such a state that it has no will of its own in regard to the given matter. Nine tenths of the trouble with people generally is just here. Nine tenths of the difficulties are over are overcome when our hearts are ready to do the Lord's will, whatever it may be. So that's 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 the big battle right there. That's what, the thing that you got to get settled to begin with. Are you willing to do what he shows you to do? you got to be in that, I, I, I call it neutral, but maybe that's not the best way of putting it. When one is truly in this state, it is usually but a little way to the knowledge of what his will is. Having done this, I do not leave result to feeling or simple impression if so i make myself liable to great delusions just going by feelings i seek the will of the spirit through or in connection with the word of god the spirit and the word must be combined if i look to the spirit alone without the word i lay myself open to great delusions also if the holy spirit guides us at all he will do it in according to the scriptures in accordance with the scriptures never contrary to them next i take into account providential circumstances these often plainly indicate god's will in connection with his word and spirit i ask god in prayer to reveal his will to me aright thus through prayer to god the study of the word and reflection i come to a deliberate judgment according to the best of my ability and knowledge. If my mind is thus at peace and continues so after two or three more petitions, I proceed according. I found this method always effective. So that's George Mueller. But the, the, the reason I read it here is because he, he brings out that this thing of just getting in the position where I'll do what you say, God, and really mean it is nine tenths of the problem, he says. So let's go on. Number three: pray and be willing to wait. He who makes haste with his feet errs, we're told in Proverbs nineteen twenty. So there's definitely a place to to uh, not get in a hurry on uh, determining God's will. Now. And on, on most things, things where they're not where you're not talking about some big decision. On most things, you just do what seems to be the thing to do. Why is that? Because you're a Christian and the Lord's your shepherd, and He's guiding you. On on bigger things, you need to take more time and be more. Sure, that you're really seeking God on it. But there's a lot of things that we don't have to seek God on throughout the day. We just do them. And they are the right things to do because you're a Christian. God's taught you how to live. But on those big things, there's certainly a place for being willing to wait. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. I mean, we're told we can come on those things that we don't know what to do on. Psalm 25, 4 and 5, Make me know thy ways, O Lord, for thee I wait all the day. Now, again, I, I kind of want to stress something here. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do anything until you feel an absolute you're, that you're absolutely sure you're not making a mis- mistake. Because the fact is, it's pretty rare to... to be absolutely sure that you're not making a mistake but there can be a sense that this is the way you walk in it I was thinking, you know when I was a kid I liked David Crockett or at least the movies about him and one of the things that we learned about David Crockett he said, well, when you're, when you're sure you're right then go ahead that sounds good, I thought, well, that's a good principle back then but then I realized, you know that first part isn't so easy when you're sure you're right, then go ahead. So, um, what I'm trying to avoid here is this area of of the, the thing of, you know, I, I, I need to know absolutely that this is God's will. Well, that can really be debilitating. It can make for a, a constant indecision and inaction. We... Need to seek God and trust that God will show us His way and go on things that sometimes we're not absolutely sure that this is the thing, but we believe this is what God has, and we just we just go on it, and that's what God wants us to do in those situations. Sometimes it seems a little risky well, that's part of the part of life, and that's part of the Christian life. most times we're not one hundred percent percent sure about things well. The last thing, and this is the one I want to spend the most time on, I want to expand on this one. We need to be willing to seek and heed counsel. Seek and heed counsel. Sometimes we say we're going to seek counsel, but again, we have to, we have to be willing to heed those things that God would speak to us through others. So I want to just share a few thoughts then on the subject of giving and receiving counsel. I put it under three different headings. First of all, God is a source of all good counsel. Job tells us this in 12.13, With him are wisdom and might, to him belong counsel and understanding. So that ought to settle the matter right there. He's the one that can uh, we can look to for counsel, and he's the source of all good counsel. Proverbs 8.14 God says, "Counsel is mine, and sound wisdom, sound wisdom." And we're told this uh, well-known verse there in Isaiah nine, chapter six: "For unto him a child is, for unto us a child is born; unto us a son is given." And we're told that the government shall be upon his shoulders. But then, it also says that his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. So Christ is the Wonderful Counselor. Well. All good counsel comes from God, not from man. That's the first point. Next thing I'd like to bring out is the importance of receiving counsel from godly people. God is a source, but often he uses another person to communicate it to us. We're told in Ephesians 5.21 to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And we're told without guidance the people will fall. But the verses that I really want us to zero in on are related to counsel. So let's just turn to a couple of these, uh, Proverbs 12 and verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man is he who listens to counsel. So the fool's got it all figured out, and he knows exactly what he should do. But a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Turn to 1310. Through presumption comes nothing but strife, but with those who receive counsel is wisdom. 15, 15, 22 Without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they succeed. Chapter 19, verse 20 Listen to counsel and accept discipline. That you may be wise the rest of your days. twenty one. Many are the plans of a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord it shall stand. twenty chapter twenty verse eighteen Prepare plans by consultation and make war by wise guidance. twenty four six. By wise guidance you shall wage war and in an abundance of counselors there is victory. So I think the writer of Proverbs here wanted us to get the point by repeating this over and over again that seeking counsel is an important part of, of knowing God's will. Well what kind of person should you seek counsel from we've already said all good counsel comes from gods so if you're going to seek any kind of spiritual counsel you better go to a godly person now if if i want to know how to put a roof on i'm going to ask jim gates because he knows about roofing <laughs> jim shakes his head but if you want to know about god's will for your life we could ask jim too because he's a christian but but the point is is that you need to look to someone who knows god so here are a few prerequisites for giving good counsel if you're going to give good counsel these are the things uh, you need and if you're going to find a good counselor here is what to look for so obviously i think this should come to mind right off a knowledge of god's will we already talked about how important god's uh, a knowledge of god's word we've already talked about how important god's word is for knowing god's will so you want to go to somebody that has a knowledge of god's word and really we're talking about more than just head knowledge here someone who's walked in god's word First Peter 4.11, if any man speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God, the oracles of God. So, you know, we're not, not to go to somebody that has a lot of worldly wisdom if you want to find out God's will for you. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. We're told in Ecclesiastes 12.11, well, let me just look it up real quick here. The words of wise men are like goads that kind of push in the right direction. You know, that's what a goad does. And masters of these collections are like well-driven nails. There's stability there, you see, in one who knows God's word. And that's the kind of person you want to look to. They are given by one shepherd. So, a knowledge of God's will. And then... Uh, right with that comes a consistent walk one who has appropriated the word of god into his own life and you can see some of the fruit of that and i think really that's what's implied in the, the sermon on the mount there in chapter 7 verses 3 through 5 where it's talking about not judging you don't want to go to a judgmental person obviously for for counsel but the kind of person that you can go to is the one who's taken the log out of their own eye. Because it says, then they'll see clearly to take the speck out of your eye. You've got a problem in your life. You want somebody that can see clearly to take that, deal with that problem. Well, go to someone who's dealt with the log in their own eye. The, the, problem, the problems, the spiritual problems, the, the sin and things that uh, they've had has been it's something they've dealt with in their life so a consistent walk so we've said uh, one who has a knowledge of god's one word one who has a consistent walk this now just keep both sides of this this is if you're going to be able to give counsel for someone this these are important if you're going to look to counsel with someone or from someone these are the things to look for i think that right with that comes the fact that this person person that's uh, going to give good counsel needs to be a person who has readily received counsel are they uh, is this one that you know is a teachable person and has been teachable there's kind of a strange verse in ecclesiastes that I think fits here uh ecclesiastes mm-hmm. chapter 4 and uh, verse 13 says uh, a poor yet wise lad is better than an old and foolish king who no longer knows how to receive instruction if you get just because somebody's old doesn't mean they're going to be able to give you good counsel uh, if they've become hardened and they're not in a place where they receive instruction or counsel anymore you're, you' you're not going to get good counsel there from a person in that type of situation or that type of attitude. We're never beyond the need of being teachable in in the Christian life. We always continue to be people who are learners, or we should always be in that situation. And then I would add to that that if you're going to give good counsel or if you're looking to someone to give you good counsel, find a person whose speech is sanctified. Whose speech is sanctified. What do I mean by that? Well, first of all, they're guarded in what they say. They're not talkative. I was thinking of the fancy word for that. Loquacious? Is that the word? All right. They're not loquacious. Loquacious. They they need to be a type of person, like James said, we should be quick to hear, slow to speak. I mean, if, you wanna, if you're going to share with somebody, you want them to listen to you, not loquacious. In many words, transgression is unavoidable. Also, right along that same line, you get a person that's too talkative, you're probably going to run into a gossip. And you sure don't want to go to counsel with a person, it's a gossip because when you share something with them, some private thing, and the next thing you know, it's all around town. Proverbs 11:13 says this: Proverbs 11:13, "He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy conceals a matter." So you want to go to a trustworthy person, not one who is a talebearer. I think Proverbs 17.9 actually fits in here also. He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. You don't want to go someone to someone who's going to repeat a matter. You know, sin, dealing with sin in a person's life should only go as wide as the problem is. It doesn't need to go any wider than that. So... Someone who's guarded, not talkative. Someone who's not a gossip. Someone who will cover the transgression. says he who covers the transgression seeks love, not spreads it around. And then a thoughtful person. You need to go to a person who doesn't give uh, snap judgments on things. A lot of things you need to ponder, you know. Proverbs 15:28 The righteous ponders how to answer. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil things. So someone that will really think through and pray through things with you. I think maybe 16:23 applies here too. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds persuasiveness to his lips. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth. Uh, I don't know exactly what that means, but I, I think that I want to go to someone who's, who is empathetic, that has some sensitivity. That's not just going to give me some pat answer. So we need to listen to the person who listens to God. And where there's a gracious and compassionate Attitude, not an argumentative type person. Ecclesiastes 10: twelve words from the mouth of a wise man are gracious while the lips of a fool consumes him. But, but just the part the first part, especially the words from the mouth of a wise man are gracious. I want to go to somebody that knows what grace is all about. We looked at this verse last night uh, at the Bible study in Columbia. It's such a good verse. James chapter 3 verse 17 you want to go to somebody that's wise but we're told here about what that wisdom will look like it's talk, actually talking about two kinds of wisdom worldly wisdom and godly wisdom verse 15 this wisdom is not that which comes down from above but is earthly natural demonic that's the wrong kind for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist there's disorder in every evil thing, but now here's the part. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is sown so right whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. But that's, that's something to look for in a counselor. If you're gonna if you're gonna get godly wisdom from a person, there's gonna be these characteristics of peaceableness and gentleness and reasonable and full of mercy and good fruits. So, we're told in Colossians four six, let your speech always be gracious and seasoned as it were with salt. So that's the kind of person that uh, will make a good counselor. But I would say probably. At least, as far as I'm concerned, (laughs) the overriding prerequisite for giving good counsel is humility. It's kind of been been implied in a lot of these. We're told in Psalm 25.9, He, that is God, leads the humble in justice, and He teaches the humble His way. So if you want to go to somebody to find out what God's way is for you, You want to go to somebody that God has taught that about his ways. And who does God teach his ways to? He teaches his ways to the humble. He leads the humble in justice, and he teaches the humble his way. So again, I think there's implied there that teachable spirit and the fact that we're all learners. We all need God's uh, instruction. Of course, the opposite of that would be pride. You can't give good counsel if you're full of pride. It's impossible. And you certainly don't want to go to someone who's proud for counsel. That's not the kind of person that God teaches his wisdom to. And I, I wanted to read here just a... We, would, we did this last night also at the, the study there in Columbia. Read some thoughts on... Spiritual Pride from Jonathan Edwards. And I won't read them all tonight, but I just wanted to read this one. We're kind of coming to a close here, so just listen closely, and we'll be down here in just a second. Um, Jonathan Edwards said, he's making contrast between spiritual pride and and humility. He said, The one, one under the influence of spiritual pride is more apt to instruct others than to inquire for himself and naturally puts on the airs of a master, one who can tell you everything, you know. That's the one under spiritual pride. Whereas the one that is full of humility naturally has on the air of a disciple, a learner. That's what we were talking about earlier. He naturally has on the air of a disciple. The humble Christian thinks he wants help from everybody, Whereas he that is spiritually proud thinks that everybody wants his help. If you, get to a, if, if, if you find a person that doesn't think that they can learn something from anybody, be careful. Because you know what? We all can learn something from one another. And even the person that's not as far along in the Christian life can teach some things to a person that's further along. And if you get to thinking that you can't learn anything from that person, you're in trouble. And so what Edwards is saying here is that the, the, the true disciple, the, the humble person, is a disciple. He's a learner and he stays that way all of his life. And that the humble Christian thinks he wants help from everybody. There's, there's something I can learn from, from anybody. Whereas he that is spiritually proud thinks that everybody wants his help. So one of the things I would say to me is that just because someone thinks that they can straighten me out doesn't mean that's a person I am going to be able to receive good counsel from. In fact, it probably means I probably won't be able to receive good counsel from that person because there's, there's some pride there that's going to keep them from really being able to see god's will so be careful about the person that's got all the answers be careful about the person that comes to you wanting to straighten you out that's probably not the person that's going to be the one to help you know god's will so in closing i want to tell you what god's will is for you that should raise a red flag, shouldn't it? That's what Edwards is talking about. Well, I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell you God's will for your life. Everybody wants to know God's will, right? Well, here it is. This is the will of God, your sanctification. I can say that without any doubt that I'm wrong about it. This is the will of God. Your sanctification. That's 1 Thess 4, uh, chap- or chapter 4, verse 3. I'll tell you something else that's the will of God. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything gives thanks. For this is the will of God concerning you. I can say that clearly from the Word of God. So, those are a few thoughts on knowing God's will. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. I think it was Augustine said, love God and do as you please. Well, there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, you can take it in the wrong way, but really that's what this Proverbs chapter 3 is saying. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path if you trust God he'll direct your path well uh, Jim and I were talking on Sunday I don't, I don't remember what the, how we got into it but uh, in some situations you know you can't, the reason you can't have pat answers for people is because people are different and some people need to be prodded and some need to be pulled back some people uh, need to be uh, encouraged to get going, and some people need to be encouraged to slow down. Um, but there is a a place for just realizing that God's our shepherd, and He's going to lead us. And if we're if we're seeking to know His will and trying as best we can by the power of God to walk in His Word, He's directing us, and, he, and we just need to believe that and go on, not get you know, bogged down in uh, um, you know, trying to have some special revelation about what we're supposed to do. <laughs> I, well, the quote that I read from, uh, from John Newton earlier is from a book related to knowing God's will, and the the title is surprising it's called just do something <laughs> that that may sound unspiritual but actually the book it's a pretty good book really A liberating approach to finding god's will or how to make decisions without dreams visions fleeces impressions open doors random random bible verses casting lot casting lot liver shivers and that type of thing <laughs> so if you want uh, a little more thoughts on knowing God's will that's that's not too bad of a book right there but the main book is this one so knowing God's word and seeking to have it applied in our lives thats that's how to determine God's will the main way alright I'll quit